Dear Lord, we thank you again for another chance to see this day, for more more opportunities to live, for life, for health, for strength, for a right mind. We thank you for giving us peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for fortifying us, sending your angels as an encampment all around us, keeping us from the wickedness that is running the world as we speak. Many are deceived. Many are being led astray. But you continue to send your Holy Spirit, allow your Holy Spirit to show us the truth, to keep us in line with your will, so that we can walk as you called us to, being the salt and the light. We give you the glory and the honor. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So today we're going to get into a very important topic for the believers, and we're going to talk about family matters. We're going to talk about the importance of family in the faith. And it's not the family a lot of us are thinking about probably when it comes to brothers and sisters, cousins and uncles. We're going to talk about the family and this body of believers, us who walk with Jesus Christ. And Paul wrote in Hebrews 13, 1, he said, let brotherly love continue. Or in some translations, it's keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now, Paul, as we all know, was called by God to preach, to teach, to guide the Gentiles, those who were not of the original family of God, those who came into the faith through through baptism and through confession that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And God called him to really outline how we ought to carry ourselves, how we should live, and how we ought to uh, see things and, and handle situations that come against us when we come into this faith. But in order to really understand what Paul was talking about regarding letting brotherly love continue, we need to understand who are our siblings in this faith. And we also have to, for certain, certainly understand what is love. You know, because in order to love your brothers and sisters, you got to know what love is to begin with. All right. And in 1 John 4, 7, 12, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Say, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in verse 9, he says, In this, the love of God was manifested towards us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In verse 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So I want to, before we even break this dialogue down that's written uh, in John 
we need to know exactly who this scripture is being directed towards. First and foremost, the entire Bible is not directed to everyone in the world. The Bible was written specifically for those in the New Testament and those who come into the faith. It's not written to just anyone. And this is very important to realize because it helps you understand who we should be considering our brothers and our sisters in the faith. We just can't call everybody a brother and a sister. And we're going to talk about this and I'm going to show you in scripture why it's so important to know who uh, are our relatives, who are our siblings in, in Jesus Christ. But let's look at how the Bible talks about that love is that God made a sacrifice and he sent his son for us. God gave up something for us so that one, most importantly, we can have salvation. That's what Jesus Christ represented ultimately is for salvation, for us to have an opportunity to receive everlasting life. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is letting us know that there's no access point available. There's no other faith. There's no other type of belief system that man can live through and get to heaven. The only way is to come through Jesus Christ. But what is the way? The way is ultimately a path. Right? That's what it is. The way is the path. And the path is to the truth. But what is the truth? The truth is the word of God. All right. And once we have that, once we get access to the way, we have the truth, which is his word. And that truth gives us access into life or salvation, eternal rest with God. Those are three very important pieces because, you know, there's so much deception out there today that tells you you really don't need the way anymore. You just need the truth or you can even skip the truth and just get straight into life. But Jesus identifies these in sequence. There's a way that we have to travel. There's a truth that enables us to maintain the way. And when we maintain the way with the truth, then we can have the life. To spend our eternity with God and he is pleased with us. That's the only way to get the life that God has offered us. No other access point, no other door that many are claiming exists out there. A lot of people say one, all roads lead to heaven. I mean, even in the logical sense, that doesn't make any sense. You know, because all roads won't take you to Georgia. You know, there's specifics that have to be uh, followed in order to get to the life God is talking about. Right. But in order for us to know who the brother are so that we can love them, we have to understand not just Christ came and he became the way, truth and life. 
we also need to understand that Christ came and represented what many of us have struggled to actually understand. And that ultimately is the will of God, his will and what he will have us do. I heard a prominent preacher say the other day that it's hard to decipher, to truly understand God's will. Well, I would say I could agree with that, one, if you found that in the Bible, and two, if the Bible wasn't written. But God clearly tells us what is his will, and it's all throughout Scripture, especially the New Testament, where it explains all of the things we have to live according to when it comes to our marriage life, our finances, how we deal with people, you know, how we raise our children. It's all there. All that is God's will. We can't take pieces, you know, try to apply pieces of the things we like the most or the things we may consider ourselves good at. We have to go through the entire uh, criteria to understand and do God's will. But when you look at the Bible and you look at what you see today, you will clearly see that there's a lot of people who are deceived by what our responsibility is as a believer. And this is simply because, you know, the Bible talk about that they are deceived by the prince of this world because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. And this is not just people who are running wild in the world who are not of the faith or don't even care about church. These are people who are also attending churches. And there are many who lead churches who don't love the truth. Uh, you know, they say things and they do things that do not align with the truth. And it ultimately comes down to uh, they're following the rules and regulations of falsehood, or they're ultimately just talking about how they feel about the word of God. From time to time, I deal with people who get very upset because I call out uh, false teachers or false preachers, you know, and particularly what they said and how it doesn't align to the Bible. It's why it's so careful to do, as Paul said, and test every spirit, because a lot of people today are telling you what they believe the word of God says. They believe this is what God meant. Well, I can tell you, if you look at the Bible, what God meant was right there in his word. We don't have to put our own spin on it or give our own perspective, because when you look at the word of God, You'll never find a time where God called a single person into this faith or to do his will or to do anything in relation to God. And yet he asked them for their perspective or what they may thought about what he said. He called them and he told them what to do. There were those who were obedient and obviously there were those who were disobedient. But he never asked the person, what do you think about what I asked you to do? Or what do you perceive what I'm saying to be either true or right or, or wrong, or whatever the case may be? But when we get into this discussion about love, many people have a misunderstanding 
that love is really just kind of being quiet and not saying anything when you see something that's not right. As I said before, I get into these little um, sometimes major um, battles, if you will, with people who don't like the fact that I call out falsehood. And the truth is, when you tell someone that they're not speaking from the word of God, or you tell someone that uh, they are following falsehood, that's actually a statement of love. Because God, the Bible says he sent Jesus Christ and he and by him sending Christ was his example of love for us. Our job comes down to being as Christ was on earth and also sending out love. And the way we send that love out is we send out truth. You can't convince me that Jesus Christ loves me, but never told me the truth. What would be the point of him coming and giving his life on the cross for us, going through the three days of, of, of being uh, in the grave and rising again, if he never came along and told us the truth, if he never shined the light on darkness? Real love comes down to telling somebody how wrong the things they say and do are as it relates to the Bible. It's so important. You know, if you love your child, or you love someone that is near and dear to you, you wouldn't let them just run into the street and get hit by a car. You would warn them. If you knew that there was a pothole in the road and they were walking down there, you would tell them, listen, Look out for that pothole. But in today's time, with the mass deception that occurs inside and outside of these church institutions, the moment you tell someone that they are not living or they're following something or someone is preaching or teaching something that isn't consistent with the word of God, they say you're hateful. That's not how Jesus operated. Jesus was all about love. He was all about peace and happiness. He was very much so. He preached love. He preached humility. He preached respect and honor. But it all came through truth. And truth is what that was not accepted among people who were truly not of the faith. He didn't believe. He spoke to people who knew the scriptures. They knew the prophecies. Repeatedly, you'll find throughout Jesus' ministry that he had dialogues with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes. And they would always challenge him based on what was written by the prophets in the Old Testament. I mean, there was time they said, you know, Moses gave us bread from heaven. And Jesus said, no, he didn't. And he told them, I am the bread. And they kept arguing back and forth. Jesus told the man his sins was forgiven. And they said, how can he tell anybody that their sins is forgiven? Because, you know, they had this understanding of the word. They had the scriptures, but it wasn't consistent to what was going on in the present time. And again, this is exactly what we see today, because a lot of a lot of people live under falsehood.
I'm not talking about the worlds particularly. We already know that they're outside of the will of God, but I'm talking those who are religiously coming to or are part of church institutions. And as soon as you say, listen, that preacher's lying. Oh, that's not how Jesus would do it. Jesus, Jesus never spoke like that. I don't know what Jesus they're talking about, because when I look in the Bible, Jesus called out falsehood all day, every day. From the Pharisees, those who oversaw God's people, to the to down to the individuals who he interacted with along his journey, just like the woman by the well. He called out the fact that she had several uh, men in her life and, and the one she was with wasn't even hers. Now, if you would do that to somebody today and they don't know you, chances are there's going to be a problem. They're going to think you're stalking them or, you know, they're going to get upset with you. Why are you calling my business out there like that? They're not going to feel like that's a place of love. Because at the end of the day, they don't want to be set free. They're tied to lies that help justify the life that they have accepted rather than the life they ought to live. When you look at the word of God, you can clearly tell that there is a distinct difference between those who are the children of God and those who are not the children of God. This is important to realize because everybody who goes to church with us isn't necessarily a child of God. Everybody who say they are Christian is not in the faith. I know that's, you know, it's a little deep for a lot of people because, you know, I've heard just like today, I heard a lady, she came into my gym and she saw my Bible on the desk and she said, oh, you, you're, you're in ministry. I said, I am. She said, well, what church you go to? I said, I don't go to a church. I said, I, I speak and I, I do what God tells me to do. Basically, I don't, I don't, I'm not tied to any particular ministry. She, and she says, well, you know what? We're all a part of the faith. But the truth is, that's not true. We're not all a part of the faith. You know, Jesus himself said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Important to realize that we don't realize this and we don't really start looking intently at the people we listen to or we associate with, then we could find ourselves going places we have no business to go or doing things we have no business doing. A, a false teacher or a false prophet can really mess up the life of someone who is trying to live right. They're trying to do it right. But we have to do what Paul said and have to test every spirit. We have to look at the fruits of the those who say they are ministers, deacons, elders, and preachers. We have to. We have to really inspect the fruit that they produce. And this will help us decipher if they are a child of God or if they are a child of Satan. All right. And enable us to actually do the will of God. We can't, you know, we just can't let stuff. Oh, that was OK. I'll let that pass. That's not what God called us to do. We can't just let the words that come out of people's mouth pass. In Jude 3, it tells us we have to contend for the faith. So if someone is saying something, they're preaching a message that doesn't equate to scripture, they're saying something based on how they feel, and it negates 
the truth of God's word, then we have to actually stand against that. But it's hard to do that if we don't even know who's actually in the family. We just assume that, oh, because they said Jesus and they're going to church and, and they got seen to be having a nice life. Uh, and Christ seemed to be doing well. They be, seem to be doing well in Christ. And we just kind of take what they say as as face value. That's a huge mistake. As a believer, we have to know who the children of God are and what they're saying or doing actually lines up with the word. All right. And first, actually, in second Peter, chapter two, verse one, it said, but there but there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive hearsays, even denying the Lord who brought them. The Bible says that there was a time when the first apostles, the first disciples walked the earth, that they had false prophets among them, saying things that were supposed to come that God never told anyone to say. Was it nothing in relation to God's word? They were false. He said, he said, in the future, among you disciples, there will be false teachers. And they're going to introduce destructive heresies. They're going to even deny the Lord who brought them. And there's a lot of people doing that today. Some people even think that they're, they, they've been hoodwinked to think they're the Messiah. But they're among us who believe. I'm not talking about out there in the world. He's talking about among us, fake teachers, fake preachers, fake leaders in the church giving folks lies and myths about Christ. So how do we know who's in the family of Jesus? How do we specifically identify these people? Well, Christ gives us a very, very clear-cut example. He points it out as clear as it can be. In Mark 3, 31, Then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him, and a multitude was sitting around him. And they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. In verse 33, he said, but he answered them saying, who is my mother or who or my brother? And he looked around in the circle to those who sat about him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. That's it. The will of God. It's not because they come to church. It's not because they preach and they've been preaching for 40 years. Not because they have a massive following. None of that. It's the will of God. Those who are in the family, those are the ones who we are supposed to tie ourselves to. Those are the ones we are supposed to uh, fellowship with, build each other up with. And in 1 John 3.10, 
It says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. But this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, in John, he writes clearly that if the person doesn't practice righteousness, and how do we practice righteousness? What is righteousness? Righteousness as a believer is being in right standing with Jesus Christ. That's righteousness. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. How did Jesus Christ walk? We got to look at his ministry. What did he do? That's righteousness that we ought to be practicing. Jesus didn't just let uh, wickedness run amok around him. He spoke the truth to Satan, to the uh, scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, to the uh, disciples who couldn't understand what he was saying. Did he heal people? Absolutely. Did he sit amongst those who were sinners? Absolutely. But above all things, he showed his love by speaking the truth, even when it wasn't popular, it wasn't trending, and it wasn't acceptable. In Philippians 2, verse 2, it says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, or the children of God. One of the biggest... Uh, Things I try to tell people is that until you have the Holy Spirit, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're kind of wasting your time. Because you can't even understand what God is saying. You can't even grasp his word. And this is why a lot of people don't like to hear truth, because it's only the spirit of God that makes truth known to us. And if we aren't led by the spirit of God, Paul is saying right here, we're not even children of God. So getting baptized into the family, receiving the Holy Spirit, again, that's not the end-all ticket to doing God's will and getting into heaven. So we have to be led by the Spirit of God, meaning we're on a journey. We are on the way. And on that way, our leadership has to be the Holy Spirit. All right? In 1 Peter 2, 17, it says, Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. It says, love the brotherhood. Love each other. I, I love the brotherhood enough to say, listen, get out of that falsehood. Stop, you know, you know you get that twitch in your spirit when that pastor say things that does not align with God's word. Don't just sit back and say, well, you know, maybe he didn't mean it, whatever. We're supposed to actually leave. We're supposed to separate ourselves, come from under them is what the Bible tells us to do. Not sit there and hear because, you know what, this is my this is my favorite pastor, my favorite preacher. He may have just slipped up a little bit. You know, someone told me to do that. They say, you know what, just 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 give the guy a chance. Maybe he maybe give him an opportunity to explain himself. I don't you don't need anyone to explain themselves and what they said when it comes to the word of God. If they are speaking God's word, 
not how they feel about it, not what somebody else said, not their perception about God's word. But if they're speaking his word, there's no need for an explanation to try to explain why it didn't sound this way. That's when you know that's falsehood. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace among all the churches of the saints. So if someone says something that makes your spirit twitch and now you need an explanation, that's confusion. And God didn't call that person to send confusion among the people. That was the worker of the enemy, worker of iniquity. So here's one of the biggest identifiers of not only loving the brethren, who are the brothers and the sisters in Jesus Christ, but also who are those who are not. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says that now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge to every place, of his knowledge to every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Now listen to this part. This is this is this is something I experienced this week. It says, to one we are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? It says, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Peter is writing a very, very profound statement here that helps you as a believer come under, helps you as a believer realize why you come under attack from sometimes the people closest to you or may have some type of interaction with you have known you for a long time when all you do is share the word of God, all right? He says that to everyone, those who are being saved and those who are perishing, he said, we are an aroma. We are a fragrance. We smell a certain kind of way. To those who are perishing, we smell like death. And to those who are not perishing, those who are moving on to life, we smell like life. I had a bunch of people come at me sideways because I called out another false preacher showing clear-cut lies, never shared one scripture about what he thought in reference to marriage. Just how he felt, right? And it sounded pretty good. It did. It sounded like, you know, okay, it makes sense, right? But then when you go to the Bible, it don't make sense. So when I expose this false teacher, people who uh, know me, and it's so interesting because three people came at me uh, attacked me, right? Attack what they ultimately they weren't attacking me. They were attacking the word of God. I was just the person that delivered the truth. And each person is such a profound thing that happened to me that really let me see how the enemy tries to draw you back. 
each person came from three particular places in my life. One of them was from high school. The other one was from when I served in law enforcement. And the other one was when I stepped away from law enforcement and got back into youth ministry, mentoring, and kind of what I'm doing now. And each of them were consistent in the attack, saying that I was spreading lies and falsehood and I'm not operating in love. And here's the most amazing thing. All three of them don't even know each other. The enemy was coming at me in these different angles, trying to really say, listen, you didn't succeed in this area. You didn't succeed in that area, nor this area over here. You're a failure. And that's how he does it. He creates these theatrics when the truth comes out, because at the end of the day, he doesn't want you to actually move forward. He doesn't want you to move past the things that are standing in your in front of you. And to them, when I gave the unadulterated word of God, not how I felt about it, I gave them clear scripture and it smelt like death to them. In fact, one of them said that I was sinning and couldn't provide a single verse from the Bible to validate anything that they were saying. Ultimately, it's because they don't uh, operate as children of God. They are not in the family. But when we go back and we look at verse 17, it says, so it says, for we are not as so many peddling the word of God. This right here, just this, this one verse can, can get you to see a magnitude of false teachers peddling the word of God. Many do it under the guise of, well, you have to tithe. You know, we need your support so we can spread the gospel over all over the world and all these different things they say. But it's not in the word. It doesn't align with the word. These same preachers and teachers, and I'm sure we all heard this, will get up before they preach or somewhere in that sermon and they want to sell you a book. They want to sell you uh, tickets to their conference or their Holy Ghost experience or whatever the case may be. They took scripture and they added into a book and now they have these 10 steps for you to be blessed. 10 steps for you to come out of darkness. All these different things they tell you. But the word of God never told anyone of the faith to sell God's word. So if you if you're like me and you've watched or been to different ministries where they're offering tickets to an event where you can receive a, a true experience from God or, you know, you can be transformed at seven o'clock on Tuesday night. You just saw someone who is not of the brethren. They're not someone that is a sister. In Christ. Deep statement, but I didn't write it. That's why it's so important to know the word of God for ourselves. Many people are being literally swept off their feet. People who used to say amen now are saying, oh man, why do that? 
Why go here? Why believe in that? And it's that deception that exists. And the biggest, one of the biggest deceptions to get you to think just because everybody show up and, and fellowship with you, they're on your team. They got your interest and God's interest at the front. So Paul clearly said that they're going to be teachers who are going to lie that's going to come among the believers. Discernment is essential in this season. You have to have it. Remember how Satan came against everybody, Adam and Eve, Jesus Christ, Peter. He came with this feel-good message. You know, this, this we're going to get to a promised land on earth. I saw someone the other day talking about today, God is going to send you blessings and miracles and increase. And catch this, prosperity. <laughs> Everything sounds good till we got to that prosperity part. I don't know anywhere in the Bible where Jesus sent anyone some financial increasing. But that's that little, that little bit of feel good twitch we get that little bit of added flavor to the meal they serve and boom we done bought the ticket we on the flight we coming to the event we back at the same service and we say that's my brother that's my sister but there's clear-cut words that is given to us through the Holy Scriptures that tells us that there are certain people among us that are not of this faith. Paul warns us clearly, Christ tells us, John tells us clearly that false family members are going to come. And they warned us for a reason. So we don't lose the very thing that's entrusted in us. Your salvation, your walk, your hate. Welcome home, my good and faithful servant. That is entrusted in you. Not in the preacher, not in your brother, your blood brother, your mom, your cousin, your kids. It's in your hands. That warning was given to you. And it's important to utilize that warning every time you open your ear to hear God's word. That's why I always tell people, test everything I say. I'm not perfect. I'm not without flaws. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. So we have to test everything we hear. We can't get comfortable in this walk thinking, no, oh, that's my that's my sister in Christ. That's my brother in Christ. That's one of the worst things a believer can do. Let me tell you how bad it is. Let me tell you how bad it truly is just to say, hey, that's my family member. Judas was a brother in Christ. And picked by Jesus. And he sold him out for some money. Everybody with you ain't for you. Everybody's to say Jesus ain't on your team. It's important. God has got me on this journey since 2021. When all the pandemic happened and this journey has been nothing but refuting lies, contending for the faith, standing toe to toe with the enemy 
and 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 knocking them out it's, rather than just laying down and being defeated i hate seeing people walk in falsehood and what i hate even more is watching people lead a false crowd watching a false leader stand up in front of people and just sell them shenanigans and people just sit there and take it because maybe they do like Joel Osteen and they always tell a joke before they start preaching. They always have a joke in between the message or something funny they want to say about God's word. And at the end of the day, you know, I used to do interrogations and interviews in law enforcement. One of the big ways to try to win over someone in that interrogation is to, is to tell them a joke, get them to laugh. Ministers like that and constantly got to make you laugh, they're not worried about your soul. They worry about selling that seat you're sitting in, filling those pews. If any time in the history of time, believers should be serious about God's word is now. Because everything in the word is coming to life. More than it did when the apostles walked the earth. Who could have guessed that a, a newfound flu would cause the entire world to shut down? We've heard about malaria in certain places or Ebola in certain places, but the entire world got hoodwinked. That's Bible, Bible prophecy. But many of us are being kept from understanding that truth because we just are comfortable with, hey, that's my brother, that's my sister, you know, that's my spiritual mother, my spiritual father. Test every spirit. Test everything people say. Period. Because we're all going to have to stand and answer. And the last thing you want to say, well, I thought that person was in the faith. I thought that preacher was preaching what was right. Well, I heard him say a couple things that wasn't right, but you know what? I forgave him. Yeah, forgive him. Absolutely. And then contend for what we believe and then roll out if they don't change. Do not sit under falsehood. It's important. Sometimes I think about when I speak like this and I feel like, man, I want to be able to say something else, God. <laughs> you know, something that sounds a little more uppity, I guess. Make people almost to a certain extent feel good. But everything I say, Christ have said. And he said, I tell you these things that your joy may be complete. Because a lot of people don't have no joy right now in their day because they don't know the truth. They're living under a lie. They don't know which way to turn. So they turn on social media, they turn on the news, and they're trying to find answers to what's going on in the world, hoping that one day all this will go away. They have the right hope. When it comes to all this being able to pass away. But they're putting their hope ultimately in the wrong place. Hope should be in Christ. And that hope in Christ gets us to look past the things we see in the world and look up to the Savior, knowing that when this passes, we are in his presence forevermore. So know who your brother and sister are in the faith. Some could be your blood brothers and sisters, your relatives, but Jesus made it very clear. If you're in this faith, those who are 
in your family are those who are doing God's will, not their will. Not what sounds good, what feels good. I, I don't know how many times I heard a preacher say at a funeral, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And the crowd just felt so, ah, it was just so, mm, that feels, mm. But nowhere in the Bible did Paul say that. Paul said, I'd rather be absent from the body. Because, you know, Paul was going through it. Persecution all over the place, in prison. You know, Paul said, nevertheless, just like Christ, I, I remain so that the work he's been called to can be completed as long as he still have life in him. So I want to say one more thing when it comes to knowing who is a false believer, family member, preacher, teacher, listen to the message that they're preaching. Be intentful in what they say. And I will tell you, this is the season where people should be speaking about repentance. It's always it should have always been about repentance. But this here, with all that's happening in the world, if we have ministers who will not speak on repent, turn, be baptized, I would I would very I would caution you to be very careful about staying in that church, in that fellowship, in that group. Because all that Jesus had endured, he was talked about. He was laughed at. They said he was demon possessed. They tried to kill him before it was his time. They didn't believe in him. He stuck with the truth and told them to repent. And his disciples followed the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Paul talked about it. Repent. It was consistency in the message. Repent, repent, repent. So how do we go from what was written in the word and what we are supposed to do to now your blessings coming, your miracles on the way? Blessing and favor is coming to you today. All this different, hey, you are the the way you are all these different self-gratifying elevating words but here jesus christ and his apostles say repent it's, it's important know what we're listening to who we're listening to go back and read the word and if it don't align be obedient obedience is better than sacrifice don't don't, don't throw away your ticket is what you rather, you know, be accepted in the club. You can kick me out of the club all day long. I'm all it's all good with me. Because I know that club gonna come to an end one day. Time with God won't. So again, I appreciate the favor that God has given me to hear and to do his will, to come on this uh, call and give this word uh, of encouragement. If it seems dark and grim, then I'm going to tell you, to be honest, if you're honest with yourself, if it seems like it's dark and grim, then it's probably we might have our heart in the wrong place. But I believe that when we start talking about uh, false prophets and 
false brothers in Christ and lying tongues and deceiving spirits and end times. I think it really should be an uplifting and encouraging thing because then we know we're getting closer to all tears being wiped away, hunger being done with, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more sickness, new heaven and new earth where the sun will never go down again because at the end of the day, we won't need the sun because the glory of God was going to shine forever. The Bible says we will be his people and he will be our God. There won't be no going back and forth. And every evil person that existed, that didn't turn, we won't have to deal with them anymore. To me, this is a glorious time. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for another opportunity to speak your infallible truth. Thank you for allowing me to have the courage through your Holy Spirit to be bold, fearless, without doubt, without disbelief. Thank you for leaving us your Holy Spirit to be everything we need, even in the darkest seasons, to be able to understand to be able to walk consistently in your truth. Thank you for giving us grace and mercy and forgiving us for every time we fall and not live according to your will. We give you the glory and the honor. In your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.